Welcome to Horsepower to Hyperloops, Kettering University's official podcast, where we serve up a smorgasbord of fascinating people, groundbreaking ideas, and noteworthy advancements in fields as diverse as mobility, healthcare, engineering, and technology. Hi, I'm Tim Troop Noonan. Thanks for joining us on the inaugural episode of Horsepower to Hyperloops, Kettering's new podcast channel. It seemed only fitting that our first guest be Kettering's 7th president, Dr. Robert K. McMahon, to start the whole process. Dr. McMahon is a Duke and Dartmouth-trained astrophysicist, and few people know, has a minor in art history, and if he wasn't an astrophysicist, he could probably have a good career in graphic design. He's a very artistic guy. He got a postdoc at Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, was a research professor at uh, University of North Carolina, and a visiting scholar at Oxford University and the University of Durham in the UK. He then became the founding dean of the Kimmel School and professor of engineering at Western Carolina University in uh, Cullowhee, North Carolina. He's a contributor to many seminal astrophysics projects over the years and the author of over 50 articles in astronomy, astrophysics, engineering, and public policy, and the holder of five U.S. patents. He's also an entrepreneur, the founder of an applied physics systems research and development firm, McMahon Research Laboratories, and the venture capitalist. In 2011, Dr. McMahon became the seventh president of Kettering University, which he has strengthened both before and during the pandemic with ever more rigorous academics and research, a bolstered co-op program, and innovations such as the new Mobility Research Center and the Learning Commons, which is going up behind the Campus Center. Dr. McMahon, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And before we get into the podcast, Horsepower to Hyperloops, tell us a little bit, catch us up on what's going on right now at Kettering. Well, thank you, Tam. No, this is this is wonderful, and I'm very, very honored to be part of this uh, inaugural edition of this podcast. I think it's a very important opportunity to communicate with all the friends and stakeholders and alumni of our uh, great university. It's been obviously for all of us. It's over the past year with the pandemic. It's been a challenging time. It's been a challenging time not only for higher education, for but for all businesses as we've had to pivot very quickly to alternative forms of delivery and. In, and ways of interacting with our students. Kettering has been extremely successful in managing through this, though, I have to say. we, Because of the investments that we had made in online and uh, virtual technologies prior to the pandemic and training and professional development around it, we were able to actually pivot to a fully virtualized curriculum in less than two weeks in March of last year. Also, we were one of the first universities in the United States to pivot back to face-to-face instruction in, uh, beginning in July of last year. So we've now been operating now in April of 2021. We're now finishing or in the middle of our fourth consecutive term of face-to-face operations during the pandemic. So we managed through this very successfully and and students are on campus, faculty are on campus and campuses as as alive and robust and dynamic a place as one might expect during a global pandemic and the restrictions that we're that are placed upon us. 
And the campus continues to grow. The mission of the university is as relevant as ever, and and the educational model of the university is more relevant than ever as we as we see these exciting new technologies emerge. Well, now tell me a little bit about uh, how's the progress. I know a lot of us are watching uh, the progress of the Learning Commons. Is that coming right along? It is. It's uh, we are on schedule and on budget, even through a pandemic and Michigan winter. So it's through all of that. It's a very exciting project for us as an institution because it represents it's it's more than than a building. I get asked frequently, well, why would a university be building a building when a lot of the curriculum has kind of pivoted to virtual? And the answer to that is really around, I think one of the things the pandemic has given many of us is not only appreciation for virtual tools and how we might utilize them to enhance our productivity and enhance our ability to address the challenges that we face, but we're also very acutely aware of the power of the personal and how the physical interaction, you know, most of us who've been doing this for a year, working virtually and living on Zoom are craving the ability to be with other people and to interact. And in fact, companies are seeing, you know, when a lot of technology companies, when they're looking at measures of creativity and innovation within their companies, they're seeing those actually drop over the pandemic. We can do things, we can perform the mechanics of a lot of our job functions virtually, but we're in a lot of innovation and creativity comes. It comes from those chance meetings at the coffee pot, the encounters in the hallway, sharing a table at lunchtime, running into your to your colleagues or your friends in the library. It's a lot of those spontaneous interactions where a lot of creativity and innovation and, and true inspiration comes. And that's missing. And so building a structure, building a a structure that is designed specifically for that purpose, to foster those kinds of interactions, to create a dynamic environment for people to interact, people to be creative, people to explore, is really critical. And and I think the pandemic has really underscored the need for those physical spaces in ways that we probably wouldn't have anticipated. I get asked frequently, knowing what you know, with, uh, you know, in hindsight in the pandemic, how would you change the design of the learning commons? And the answer to that is we wouldn't. Actually, what it has done is reinforced a lot of the innovations that we've built into the learning commons and the, and the f- design philosophy actually are more relevant than ever. So I'm actually really very excited about it. Well, I've been watching, and I encourage our listeners to go on Kettering.edu and look at both some of the designs for the building, which is uh, interesting. And in fact, we're going to have on the uh, podcast the architect for the building, and that's a very uh, interesting uh, discussion. And But I encourage you to go on and take a look at the um, video showing the progress and the pictures. It's an exciting building. I know we'll all be happy to get back together. We've got another event coming, and that, that kind of leads us right into the podcast because graduation, the first one in, what, two years? Two years. Is that right? Is coming up yeah. and June 19th, and we're going to have two classes, right? Two, it's a two graduations. We actually have two graduations. We don't want our 
graduates from 2020 to be short-shifted in, in, in any way of, you know, the experience of graduation. So we're actually going to be holding two physical graduations on campus that weekend. Well, that'll be June 19th. And that's also uh, the formal launch of the podcast, yeah. Horsepower to Hyperloops. Now, a lot of people want to know a little bit about the name, and uh, the name is basically to suggest Kettering's and GMI at the time's beginnings with horsepower and automotive, which, as everyone knows, or most people know, that was the sort of stock in trade of, of the, the school at that time, to go up to Hyperloops, where, in fact, we have a graduate who was very involved with that, but it's mainly to suggest not only the far end of mobility, but technology as well, because this is about, our topics will be about a wide range of things from mobility to engineering to healthcare. So hence the name Horsepower to Hyperloops, debuting June 19th, and you'll be able to find it. And I'll say this again, on the Kettering.edu website, there'll be a page there, you'll be able to find it. Also, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, and uh, the other usual places. So what I want to do today is discuss, in addition to welcoming our listeners in this first episode, like to discuss the reason and the purpose. Why are we doing this? We've been doing a lot of outreach in the past year with uh, after the Centennial book was published with interviews and, and so on. And then we've moved to this. So uh, Dr. McMahon, tell us a little bit about the larger purpose of why a podcast? Why now? What are we trying to do? Well, I mean, it, the podcast can serve many purposes, but more than any, it really serves as a way to communicate to all of the passionate supporters of the university, all of our alumni, our students, our faculty, our staff, the community, the state, the nation, what is happening on the Kettering campus and how Kettering is involved in actually driving many of the revolutions and technology that we see around us. Kettering has, going back to when it was the Flint School of Automotive Trades, it, it has had a really a foundational role in the development of the industry around automotive and, and transportation. And now as we're transitioning from from kind of traditional transportation technologies to what we call mobility, a much broader cross-disciplinary application of technologies, electrification, electric vehicles, but not just EVs, but all the things associated with mobility more broadly. Everything from how do you design these systems and technologies, the control systems, the software, the, the, the grids, the networks, the human factors, the, the things that go into making these technologies work, but all of the implications of that. Because when we talk about mobility broadly, we're talking about even things as far as the redesign of cities and how cities work and how transportation infrastructure works. Kettering has always had a dominant role in automotive and the transportation industry. So leadership role in mobility is a natural for us. And as we move into this, it's really important to communicate all of the exciting things that are happening on Kettering around in these fields. And, you know, the other part of that is not just Kettering, but the community at large. When you tasked me with doing the centennial history a few years ago, I became aware of 
a tremendous breadth and accomplishment of Kettering alums. And hence, we started an oral history project. And I started interviewing even more people after the book than before. And that's where we got talking. And I, I think that there's really two elements that we're going to push. One is the inside Kettering element. People around Kettering, they of course, they have the Determination newsletter and the magazine and the website. This will be just another way to communicate Kettering news and ideas as well to the uh, Kettering community. I think it's also going to be greatly interesting to not only alums across the world, but but the public at large. We are talking as you mentioned, across all these fields, the people who are accomplished. And I have just gained so much from talking to and interviewing people in all these fields, one of whom is uh, doing a battery on the lunar rover. I don't care if you're connected with Kettering or not. That's cool. Yeah. And I think that is often and not fully appreciated even by the graduates of the institution. And that is how unique and how special Kettering is as an institution. What Kettering does and the way it does it is unique in the United States. It truly is. The way that the philosophy of the education, the way that it's delivered and the integration of theory and practice. I mean, the way I like to talk to it in general audiences is most universities and schools and, and they focus on education. And Kettering is the only institution that focuses not just on education, but on mastery. How do you master a discipline? How do you become truly engaged in an, in an art or in a discipline. You do it by not only understanding the theory of the discipline, but also how the discipline works in practice and how to apply it and how to be a participant and a contributor. Those two elements, uh, you know, going back to Charles Kettering's original description, you know, if, if we taught musicians like we teach engineers, we would traditionally, we would you know, give them 12 years of music theory before we ever let them touch a piano. Everybody practically knows from a practical standpoint that true mastery, true understanding comes from learning about something and then and then doing it. You don't learn woodworking from just studying woodworking books. You have to get in and start cutting wood and see how the material behaves, see how the processes behave. True mastery comes from the equivalence of those two, of treating both as equally important, the skills and the knowledge. And Kettering is truly unique in this across higher education. And the result of that education is what we see in the fact that our alumni go on to, to lead industries across huge organizations, across industries. It's not just in the mobility space. It's not just in automotive. It's in music. It's in public policy. It's in entertainment. It's in clothing. It's, it's everywhere. So you can point to uh, Mary Barra, who's chairman CEO of, of General Motors, of course. But you also have to say, well, there's also Sonia Singal, who's head of the Gap and the entire Gap organization, one of the largest suppliers of clothing and such goods across the, across the globe, or 
David Kenny, who's the head of the Nielsen Group, or you know, you just go from one to the next to the next. Finance, pharmaceuticals, medicine, healthcare. Our alumni are everywhere, and they're not just participating, they're leading, they're inventing, they're creating, they're driving the next generations of those industries across the board. And that is because of what they learned at Kettering and how they learned to master their discipline and how they learned that they can do it. They learned how to to reinvent themselves as they needed to drive these innovations. I think Kettering is a jewel. That story needs to be told better. It needs to be told in all of its dimensions. Well, we've told it with the book, but now we're going to tell it, and I think in a more compelling way even than that, with the voices of Kettering through the Horsepower to Hyperloops podcast. And I have spoken with, through this and through the Oral History Project and through the book, upwards of 150 people, I guess, who are graduates, faculty, everything else. And I hear one consistent thing, regardless of all the fields you're talking about. Well, actually, two. First is students at Kettering go half-time in academia, a half-time working in their co-ops. They graduate in five years instead of four, and they end up with two and a half years work experience, which is not just carrying coffee. That is real hard work experience in the field that they're heading into for the most part. Occasionally, someone will say, I learned what I didn't want to do, and they pivoted and went somewhere else. But that's important. That's an important life skill. That is just as important. So, yes, no. Well, and the two things they told me is, one, those terms that they take, they are 11 weeks. They have to cram, learn how to manage their time, and really work hard. And then the most important thing they told me is, as good as the education was, what I really learned was my co-op. I learned hands-on. I learned, I got out, I hit the ground running, and I, I asked a question of people. I said, well, do other kids catch up with you? Your colleagues from other colleges, very well-educated, bright kids, but without experience, uh, take a job at the same company. You've had two and a half years experience. Do they catch up in a year or two? And the answer is no, because we get all the plum jobs and we move even faster, which may explain, that's my personal theory, why there's so many Kettering graduates in the C-suite across so many fields, because they move quickly there. And, you know, again, there's all the, uh, that's supported by uh, factors saying that the salary 10 years out is very, very high. Yeah, no, we have some of the highest ROIs on uh, for our education of any college or university in the United States. But, you know, you point out a very important thing. And I want to go back to one thing that you, you mentioned, because it's a misunderstanding. Even of people that go through the education, they have a misunderstanding. Even when you talk to students, sometimes they'll treat the cooperative experience and the classroom and the school as two separate things. I go to school and then I go off to my co-op and that's different. When I'm there, I'm part of that organization. When I get to school, I'm part of the school. What they fail to recognize in that is they're both part of the school. The schooling, that the model of education is 
a recognition of the fact that the application of the discipline is as important to the mastery, is as important to the education of the student as the classroom is. We don't, you know, if you look around the nation, a lot of universities have co-op programs and internships, et cetera. But the co-op experience, that internship experience is always subordinated to the classroom, right? It's, it's, it's a summer in the junior year. It's a few semesters here or that. In the Kettering model, it's not a lesser part of. It is an equal part of. It is given an equivalence to the classroom experience. The co-op is not something we send students off to do. It's part of their education. It's part of the university experience. It's an important part in that it's where we show the student how they apply what they're learning and how organizations work and how do they work inside of real things to be productive. But it's all part of the education. We provide co-ops for students for a reason that is tied to teaching them and giving them that mastery of their discipline. It's why, to your point, people leave so far ahead of peers at other institutions. It's not just that they have experience. It's that they've been able to integrate what they've learned in the classroom in a way that allows them to apply it. So when they get into their first position, they're not trying to figure out, gosh, how do I work in an organization? How do I, how do I do this? What, what is my role? They hit the ground running. They're in the professional development programs earlier. They're in fast tracked because they're already ready. They're there. They're already fully realized as engineers, as scientists. It's an incredible model. And it's actually a curiosity to me that even the people who go through it don't necessarily, I think, fully appreciate the uniqueness of it and what it represents in its entirety. The other piece of that, of course, is, and by the way, one of our our first guest is Kim Shoemaker, who's the robotics outreach manager. And the robotics at Kettering is a very interesting topic. Maybe we can get into at some point. But she speaks about the same thing. She spends her time going around the country talking to prospective students and high school students and telling them exactly the same thing from their perspective as what she's what you just stated. And I, I think it's interesting that you bring up a point that talks about hard skills and soft skills. Of course, in two and a half years, you gain hard skills in whatever you're doing. Secondly, if you spent time on the line in a factory, say, you gain appreciation for part of the factory you might never gain appreciation for and the people there and the perspective there or any other part that may not be where you're going to end up, which is to say you gain soft skills. These people say, I learned how things work. I understood the, the sociology of a company. I understood the politics. I understood how to operate. My favorite story is early on when I got involved with uh, Kettering, I was speaking to a young lady who had just graduated. And I somewhat naively said, well, are you going to take some time off or take a trip or travel? And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she says, are you kidding? And this was a Friday afternoon. She <laughs> says, I've got to be in the lab down in Detroit on Monday. I got 12 people working for me. And yeah. she went out and she hopped in her Corvette because, <laughs> you know, she'd been working all along. And that's the other thing. Yeah. A lot of these kids are 
all the kids are making money while they're going to college. She jumped into her car and drove off to her job. And it was, which I always enjoy Kettering students refer to their co-op. And then when they graduate, they refer to their permanent co-op because they're now working. But to that end, let me, you know, we'll be talking in Horsepower to Hyperloops to all the people you've been referring to from all these industries and people inside Kettering. So let me talk a little bit about the format and and who we're talking with most immediately. If you're hearing this podcast, you can go on to Kettering.edu or Spotify or Apple, find Horsepower to Hyperloops and listen to, we're going to have 10 or 15 up there to start with. We're really starting with three areas. This is one we're calling the President's Sketchpad. And this is where we talk to you or you talk to people. Maybe somebody else is in it. In fact, we're having uh, Melanie Bass, who wrote an important article coming out in the magazine in May. And she'll be following that up with you on your president's sketchpad. You may be interviewing students who are in battle bots or whatever you want. It's, oh, yeah. It's, I'm excited about that. It's your place to talk to the alumni in the world. Uh, The second one is Bulldog Diaries, which was a series we already did of little historical vignettes that I just put together from the the book. And they're all kind of fun. And the first one that's going to be up is about Best Pinoyer Sobe, who was Major Al Sobe's wife and kind of a lost figure. But she was a very important educator in her own right and shaped uh, General Motors Institute. That's a story that's up there. And then a bigger part will be something we call In the Mix. And we'll be interviewing what we're calling newsmakers and innovators. Upcoming in those, let me see who we've got here. We've got, I mentioned um, Kim Shoemaker, and we're calling that one Calling All Robotics Students. Uh, We're talking to Travis Sage, the architect of the Learning Commons, who talks about how unique and what a groundbreaking design it is, how it's a new paradigm in educational buildings. I told you about Beth Sobe. We're talking with Ken McLeod, a professor at Binghamton University, and these are all alums, who has developed a a new transportation, intercity transportation system that he's working on, which combines the best of automotive, airplane, and rail. We're talking with John Grodelars, who is the CEO of Hillrom, and they're a medical technology and device manufacturer. And he's talking about how they responded over the past year mm-hmm. to the pandemic, uh, putting out ventilators and so on. We are talking with Brian Falther, who is an entrepreneur who went into agriculture and developed a, a company called Bowery Farming in New Jersey, where they are producing through vertical agriculture and hydroponic farming and other technologies as much as 100 times a yield per acre. These are some of the topics that are, frankly, up there now, and we'll be talking to people through a vast number uh, of industries going forward, and we'll be talking to Dr. McMahon, and he'll be talking to people in the university. Hopefully, and maybe you can speak to this, this is just a start. We would like to create this as a vehicle for Maybe faculty, students, talk to everybody, have people talking to the broader community, to the world at large, 
So where do you think we can take this? Oh, I think there's so there's so much, that, and Kettering as an institution is in some ways kind of kind of like a a great engineer with a head down, pencil moving, and keep creating, but not without a lot of fanfare around it. I think that there's there's a need for a lot of our alums and a lot of those in the community and those who who care about the university to really understand all of the phenomenal things that are happening and all of the phenomenal achievements of our alumni and and the community around us. It's an incredible institution. And what it produces is quite frankly phenomenal. As I travel, you know, around and I talk to people, you know, you go to uh, a lot of our uh, graduates go on to some of the most prestigious graduate schools in the country. And when I talk to those schools, they say, of course, we accept Kettering grads. They're amazing. They're the best students we have. They're our favorite students because they come to us. All of these stories need to be told. They need to be brought to the surface because there's an enormous, what comes from that and seeing all that, it's just an enormous sense of pride not only in what the university has accomplished, but where it is going. And most importantly, of the trajectory of our students and what they are doing today. How many of our alums and how many of those around know that we have one of the very few, one of the eight teams in the nation to selected world from universities worldwide in the auto drive challenge to design the next autonomous vehicle. Our students are doing that on our in our facilities. We have a top-ranked esports team on campus. We have BattleBots teams. We have robotics and artificial intelligence. We have all of these things going on on campus right now, today. And we need to tell those stories because they are not just fascinating stories in and of their own right, but they are exemplars of of the amazing outcomes of a Kettering education and a Kettering experience. An enormous, a source of enormous pride for all of us. I'm going to expand on, on something you just said with a kind of a, an interesting vignette from Bulldog Diaries, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have it up there at some point. And that is during the World War II, Kettering did not yet award degrees. It was not yet a university. Mm-hmm. And the Army and the Navy and the Air Force, the students wanted to go in as officers. They made them go to other schools. And they started going to very good schools, Purdue and so on. But a lot went to Harvard and Columbia and wherever for business degrees and so on. Stanford and yeah. They went everywhere. Well, at that time, one of the things that changed that whole process was when Harvard called up the army and said, you really don't need to do this. I mean, the best students we have, we don't even need to bother applications. If a student is applying here from Kettering to continue because you want them to go somewhere else and get a degree, we we just take them because they're so well prepared. (laughs) That was in the 1940s. And for decades since, Kettering has been uh, something of a feeder to Harvard Business School. Yeah. Uh, among many others, I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that went to Harvard and, and many of the other institutions you mentioned because of the reputation inside academia, but because Kettering is not playing Michigan and Michigan State in football on the weekends, a lot of people don't know that. So hopefully we'll get this news out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, just this last weekend, I had uh, dinner with uh, some of our alums, some of our young alums, recently graduated. You know, we um, 
two at the table were both came right out of Kettering into engineering roles in one of the nation's elite national laboratories. And after a year in, the, in that role, the, the laboratory is now sponsoring that's the students to go to one of the elite universities to get their PhDs, a full ride, full support for that. And why did they do that? Why? Because of the nature of the preparation, because of what Kettering produced in those students, how Kettering prepared them. They were so exceptionally well prepared that this elite national laboratory said, no, these are people we want to send them. We want to get them to the next level. It's an incredible story. It's just, and it's repeated time after time after time. I can literally, over the my time here, I, I have met hundreds of students and interacted with hundreds of students. I can point to in all disciplines that have similar trajectories. It's an incredible story. It truly is. It needs to be told. And I hope that through this podcast, to introduce the listeners to many of these Incredibly impressive students. Uh, we will get students on here and talk to them about their plans, their achievements, their work. They're impressive kids who are hard workers. They take, what's the average? How many units does one take in a term? It seems to me it's 21, 22, 24. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere around 20 usually. I spent my college time trying to get it down to under 12 every semester. I can't even envision <laughs> 24 units, but they're doing it. And we've got some very interesting uh, professors that we want to talk to and will talk to and staff like Kim Shoemaker, who is already amazing. up on the uh, podcast. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting project. Dr. McMahon, anything else that we should share with the uh, the listening public, both Kettering community and hopefully others already listening to this that you would like to pass along? I would just say, please join us. And uh, as we go through this journey and as we explore all the dimensions of this incredible and amazing, unique institution of which we can all be very proud. And uh, I look forward to all of the episodes. I'm going to be an avid listener as well as participant. Well, I will give the uh, particulars once more. It's Horsepower to Hyperloops. Please go on and look for it wherever you get your podcasts. Become a subscriber, in which case you will be notified of upcoming episodes. And we will be putting up episodes regularly every other week, if not every week. And that will increase as time goes on. So Horsepower to Hyperloops, Spotify, Apple also on Kettering.edu, go on the main page and you'll find the podcast and you can uh, click on it there. You'll be able to see what episodes are up, little blurbs about them. Click on whichever one you want, whether it's newsmakers and innovators and in the mix, whether it's the president's sketch pad or whether you want a little history of Kettering, look at the Bulldog Diaries. But horsepower to Hyperloops. Thanks for listening today. Please tune in in the future. Please subscribe. We'll look forward to seeing you on the podcast. With Kettering President Dr. Robert K. McMahon, this is Tim Troop Noonan. Have a great day. Join us again to hear Kettering University's podcast, Horsepower to Hyperloops, available from wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.